Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet, mom to two boys, former middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to the 14th episode of Two Lit Mamas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. It's time to nog your eggs <laughs> and deck the halls and get down with some holiday reading to get us in the mood. Yes. Are you ready for Christmas? Uh, you know what? I I think I'm really close. I have to say, I in the last podcast, I went on a rampage about how I could not decorate before Thanksgiving, but being 2020, and I don't know about other places, but out here, we've been locking down again, and I broke. And the week before Thanksgiving, my, my friend was supposed to come for Thanksgiving, and then she got locked down in Philadelphia. So we just said, screw it, we're going to put up the Christmas tree. And we went a week early. And I never, ever have done that. I've never put my Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving, and I probably will never do it again. But if there was ever a time to do it, it was this year. So we are twinkling like a champ out here. And it's just so nice. Like I needed it. I really needed it. Like I needed like little bit of sparkle to make it feel better. You know what I mean? That's good motivation for me because I haven't done it yet. I did get some special lights I want to put in my windows this year. So I've ordered stuff. I just haven't gotten it up yet. Are they shaped like toilet paper? (laughs) For 2020? They should be. That would be awesome. Toilet paper lights. (laughs) (laughs) I did get a bunch of toilet paper ornaments this year for gifts. Yeah, my mom sent one too. Yeah. Tis the season, literally. Like, what a way to remember the year. So perfect. Normally, we put everything up around my birthday. Like, that's sort of my special treat. So I got to get going. I got to get motivated. I said before in the last episode, I felt was feeling a little overwhelmed by it all. But I know it'll make me feel good once it's It, It does. It really does. And you know what's nice, too, is you don't have to clean as much when the Christmas tree's up. True. You just don't notice the dirt because the twinkle lights hide it. So you're like, hmm, I don't need to clean. I clean really good when, before I put before, it up and I clean yeah. after. But I don't feel like, oh, yeah, I just, oh, chalk it up to holiday cheer. Real or fake? What's your tree? Uh, we have fake, although I did really want to get a real one this year but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm fake all the way. My neighbor like went on a rampage about it. She's like, oh, fake is so bad. And I was like, fake keeps me alive. I'm like, I'm like Wheezy the asthmatic. You bring a real tree in and I'm dead. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, and I have to say, I love my fake tree because it breaks down into four easy to carry pieces. (laughs) Four easy payments. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Four easy to carry pieces of tree that I can lug down the from the attic easily. and Totally manageable. Yeah, I can do it myself. It's not a big deal. And it's pre-lit. So that's pretty handy. Yeah. Although I spend like six hours trying to find the plugs every stupid year. And every year I'm like, there's got to be a way I should do something. Ooh, you know what? They have that electrical tape that has color on it. It's a good call. That would work. Although, but then you would see it once the tree was lit up, but still be looking for the plug. Uh, There's no hope, but I know those green plugs do kind of suck. The other thing is too, like this year, I'm not going Christmas shopping. You're not going into the store to get any Christmas cheer. You're not going to any like holiday events or anything like parties. Yeah. Yeah. So you really are kind of dependent upon your own decorating and everything. That's true. I mean, originally I had thought I wanted to make it look like Santa threw up in my house, like just have yeah. it decorated to the nines. But then when it came down to the having the energy to do all that, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I know. Martha Stewart has like a team of people to do it for I her. know, right? That's why it's okay. If I had a team, I could make it happen. I know. And you don't even have like a small child to make it happen. Like my little nugget today, we were we stopped off on our way back from the hospital for a hearing test and he really wanted this elf. And I'm like, you know what? 
you can have the elf. We haven't been anywhere, anywhere forever. And this elf is like three feet tall. Oh, that's awesome. And it looks like him. It's so cute. It's got big brown eyes and light brown hair. It will give me a heart attack when I come downstairs and I see it like in the shade or something. I will die. You'll think someone's waiting to attack you. I mean, like Chucky is here, but he was so happy and it was the cutest thing ever. So, and all he wants to do is buy more Christmas decorations every time he's ever out oh, anywhere that would make or me make happy. them. He's been making them too. So, oh yeah. Yeah, I have a goal to make. I saw this really cool thing on, um, I don't know if it was Pinterest or something, probably. But these gnomes that you can make out of tomato cages where you turn it upside down and so that they're kind of like a triangle. And then you tie evergreen branches to it. Oh, cute. And then you put like a hat over and a little round, you know, like a sock nose or something. Isn't that so cute? That's a brilliant one because, you know, I got nothing but evergreen trees. Oh, yeah. You could do it. And we have been like gnome and hard. Yeah. We've been, we made those gnomes. I sent you the picture, our cute little gnomes out of socks. And then we made gnomes out of clay. That's a good idea. I'll have to find that one. The moms and I here are all big Nomi fans. Our group text is called OG Nomis. Oh my God. You guys are such nerds. I think ours is like the booze hounds. (laughs) We keep it real out here in Boston. (laughs) I believe it's AA. Yeah, and literally every day at like three o'clock, there's a group text that goes through these three moms, they're former football moms, of course. So let that sink in. And it's always like, is it too early to drink? Literally, <laughs> at least someone once a week asks about three o'clock. Is it time? Is it too early to drink? Is it too early for wine? Is this frowned upon? I'm like, no, it's the holiday season. We're good. Go for it. That's oh, good. Go forth and enjoy. So speaking of the holiday season. Yeah. Shall we get started with some holiday cheerish tales? I think so. You were just saying the other day, like how great it is to read seasonal books in the season. Yes. And it so felt that way with this. And again, because 2020 sucks and we're really like need to escape. And I think it's there could never have been a better year to read books. P.S. I mean, there's always a good time to read books, but this is a, a, the best year to read books. I'm going to make my plug. I think everyone should give somebody a book on Christmas Eve. 100%. I think that should be a new tradition because like in our family, we always open one present on Christmas Eve and it's usually your ornament because you can put it on the tree. But this year, I think it should be a book so that everybody can sit and snuggle up and read their books. I think that would be so much fun. 100%. Oh, and also before we get started, since this is our last episode of this year of 2020, I did want to kind of give a shout out, a holiday shout out to two of my good supporters who's really been such good friends of the show. And I wanted to thank them. One is Jasmine. She texts me all the time and gives me feedback on the show. And she's usually pretty excited about all the books. She and her boys love all the books that we've talked about. Awesome. Yeah. She always gets back to me if they've read something that was good. And of course, they are the biggest fans of We're Not From Here now. Right on. So yeah, it makes me love them all even more. And then Deanna, I wanted to give a shout out to her. Sometimes she'll text me and just be referencing the show and laughing about something. And it takes me a second to realize what she's talking about. Nice. But I just wanted to thank them for their support this year. I really appreciated that. It's so huge because this was like a crazy new endeavor that we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And man, did we bite off a lot. Yeah. Because I think I'm up to 48 books for the year or 46 books. My goal was to read like 50 books in the year. By the end of the year, I'll hit 50, but it's all because of this. Yeah. We're literally devouring books at a rapid rate. And it's awesome. So fun. And I love these books that we've picked. I I mean, there's a 
only been a few where I thought, oh, but it's not, none of them have ever been a waste of time to read because I've Oh, no way. So yeah. Much. Even the ones that are like painful for me to get through, which P.S. I have one today. <laughs> oh, do you really? Okay. I was like, oh my God, let it end. But um, that's the nice thing too, is we have totally different taste. We're able to give you a really good sort of well-rounded idea of, of what the book is like. Absolutely. Well, with that, let's go. Let's get started. All right. Today, we're talking about books that are set during the holidays in some very different ways. So we're going to be talking about first off Green Glass House by Kate Milford. Um, Then I have a couple other ones. Christmas Dinner of Souls by Ross Montgomery and Top Elf by Caleb Zane Hewitt. And you've got two others, too. What are your other two? Yeah, I've got A Boy Called Christmas and The Girl Who Saved Christmas. They're two books in a series by Matt Haig. All right. So should we start with Green Glass House first? Yes. You loved this one. I did. You were like, oh, my God, I love this book and I was like oh my god I hate this book okay this is a this is a tulip mama's first that we disagree this hard on a book I know I literally was like I had to go from the book first of all my biggest complaint though my first off complaint from this book is I have issues with I am blind as a bat yes I just got new bifocals no they have not yet arrived I have some problems with this you can read about it on my blog but a whole nother story but the font was so tiny I couldn't see the book I literally was like that's your complaint that was my first complaint that's why I was bitter so I was bitter going in because I'm like I can't see the font which is a real complaint as somebody who's worked with kids with reading issues. If you have tracking issues as well, the kids that have tracking issues, kids that have reading difficulties and stuff, font is huge. That's a major important factor. So that was my first strike. And then I was like bitter. So when I was bitter, I was like, now it's go- I'm going in with a tainted viewpoint. So then I had to get it again on my e-reader so I could like granny up the font to like, <laughs> you know, like 700 so that my old lady eyes could actually read it. The, honest to God though, that is a real, a real concern. And if you're, if you're a writer and you're listening and you are out there with middle grade, you got to be conscious of that. Kids need a bigger font. I do agree. The font was small. And I am surprised by that because there are pretty strict standards on what size your font should be for middle grade. And this is published by a traditional publishing house, not self-published. So anyway, that was my first one. So Green Glass House, um, it's a New York Times bestseller and it's part of a series of three. So this was the first of the series and it was released in 2014. The second of the series is called Ghosts of Green Glass House. Now that's the one I picked up first. And my local librarian, who is the bomb. She said, it doesn't matter. You would not be confused. If you read that one, you would be okay too. And then the second one is called Blue Crown. And she had to say she had not yet read that one and she's read everything. So, well, and there's also a couple more. So there's the thief, not a green glass house story. And then the raconteurs, uh, what is that one called? That one's coming. I think it's on the way. It's the book that our main character is reading throughout the book. going to be its own book coming down the pike. Okay. So it's almost Christmas and Milo um, and his family, they live in green glass house house, which is actually an inn. And I have to say, there's a lot of description about it, but the reason it's called Green Glass House is because it has stained glass windows that basically reflect in green, long story short. Anyway, his big thing is that at Christmas, he gets home from school. It's time to be done. It's just him and his parents. The inn is empty. No one ever stays at the inn around the holidays. And then all of a sudden, the bell rings and someone shows up and they want to stay. And then the bell rings again. First of all, I think it's really cool because when the bell rings, they're like up on a giant hill. The people have to take this little tram up to the Green Glass 
boss house to get in. And then, so every time the bell rings, it means they have to go out and, and start the tram so the person can get up. So suddenly they end up with a full house. So Milo's mom and dad are like, hey, we're really sorry, but we're going to have to, we have guests, we're going to work. And they call in their cook with her daughter to come and sort of help them get through it. And it's a giant snowstorm. So Milo's a little bitter, kind of wants things to himself, but he meets the cook's daughter, Maddie, and they're like, okay, well, we can make the best of this. So she's got some ideas that they can kind of play a game, a role-playing game, which my non-nerdy self has never played, but I know your nerdy self has. My little Dungeons and Dragon friend. <laughs> I love the role-playing game. I knew that's why you were like, that's why I love this. I'm like, God, you are such a nerd. No, that's there's epic. so many things about this book I like. So I'll list them when you're done describing it. And that's just it. So basically he and Maddie decide to kind of find out the truth. Like, why are these guests here? They're all interconnected. It becomes really clear early on that they, they, they don't know each other, but they're there for the same thing, whatever that might be. And so Maddie suggests that they kind of take on these roles in a role-playing game to kind of get to the bottom of things. That's what I got like, I was like, uh, 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 what? And all of the explanation of role-playing characters and how role-playing games worked, I was like, whoa, I I need help at this point because I don't know anything about it. And that threw me off. I'll give you that one because it was a little bit hard to follow because they changed their names as they take yeah. on their, their characters for the role-playing game. And I did wonder if that would be hard for like a middle schooler to follow. I literally have the brain of a middle schooler. So yes. Because <laughs> they had different names throughout the, whoever they were, if they were their normal selves they went by their normal name and if they were in their role of their character then they would use that name so yeah that was a little bit confusing i have to admit unless their parents address them or something or anyone else then they use their regular name and you were like "Ah, okay because they don't know their character name so it did get confusing yeah there's a lot of different name changing but there were a lot of cues in the text though that usually like i never forgot who was who So I don't know. But, you know, I think if you have a child who's really into fantasy and world building and all that kind of stuff, they'll love this. Yeah, Yeah, it's nothing, right? Yeah. And I think if you have a familiarity with role-playing games, sure. like I said, I really don't. I never have done one in my life. I've never understood them. And ironically, no one's ever even invited me. It kind of hurts my feelings now that I talk about (laughs) it. No one even wanted me to come and be the dragon or the dungeon, either one. But I, I would assume that that would give you a background that you needed, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I felt like it just went along with the whole fantasy aspect of them pretending to be someone else. I mean, they were basically just kind of playing dress up in a way. Yeah. So I guess I didn't take it so far into the game. Well, it gave him extra confidence, which I guess was the whole point of it. And they only talk about the game in very like narrow terms. They don't really play it the whole time. They just use it more to become braver characters of themselves. So um, I thought that was really kind of fun because it there is something about that age where you wear a lot of masks because you're experimenting with, oh, what if I'm like this person or what if I'm like that person? And you're trying to figure out who you are. And I thought that that was kind of a fun aspect of it where you get to pretend to be brave. I thought that was cool. And you're also too old to play, really. Right. So this is like legitimizes your playing dress up. Right. Now that you say that, that makes good sense. Yeah. Okay. So the things that I really really liked about this book. First of all, I like any book that has a cool house involved. Oh my God, the the house was amazing. I want to go there. Yeah. The second thing I really liked is the mystery. I thought the mystery was fantastic because I don't know, like in the MFA program, we learned that every book has to have a mystery. And I felt like that just this book showed me that so clearly why, because it just the mystery of what is going on draws you into this story about these people who just start showing up and they're all different and they're all from different walks of life, but yet 
all these little clues start adding up. And I thought that really compelled the story forward as having this huge mystery at the beginning, which was so fun. And all the characters, of course, are really unique and interesting and different and really stand out. I thought that was good because it was kind of, there were a lot of characters, but that made it easier to follow. See, that was a big criticism that a lot of people had is that there's just too many characters. And then when you add on the top of it, the two of them being two different characters. And a lot of people, that was sort of their their whole complaint was like, it's just too hard for a kid to follow because there's so many characters. Yes and no. But if you think of Harry Potter, I mean, there's uh, there's a whole world of characters in that story. Everybody seems to be able to keep track of all the teachers and all the parents and all the kids. And I don't think that was a negative. Oh, and I also really liked how this book explores the issues and problems of being adopted without addressing it head on. Like, you would never say this book is about adoption, but it really is about adoption. And I just love the way that Kate Milford, the author, did that, how she wove that in there without it being the main focus of the story. But yet that's really what the story is about. And that was what her intention was. She started writing this book when she was in the process of adopting a child from China. And it made her wonder what it would be like for that child to have, first of all, parents that don't look like him. And that's exactly what Milo has. Milo is Asian. Yeah, he's Asian. Is he from China? I can't remember. I believe he is. I believe that he makes some reference to a Chinese father, but he really just talks about himself as as having very Asian looks when he compares himself to other To his parents who are white people. Yeah. I love that sort of secondary storyline that plays out. And then it ends up playing pretty heavily into the story and the finale of the story too, which you don't really see coming. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. He also has a lot of guilt around thinking about things, which I think is very true. I mean, at least from kids that I've taught, my friends that have been adopted you know like he doesn't want to betray what his parents have done for him but yet at the same time he still has questions so I think that's very realistic yeah you and I've had step parents and we you know it's you understand that even not being adopted fully like you understand those feelings of confusion and guilt and if you accept this family does that mean your old family doesn't matter or you're yeah you're not respecting them or remembering them you know all that kind of stuff so I thought that was really good. Um, I just really liked the whole world that she created. I thought that the end was absolutely awesome. I was so down with the end. Another big complaint that a lot of people had, and I shared that too, is that there was just a lot of talking. There was a lot of unnecessary talking, for lack of a better term, that kind of bored people that were above the age of eight, like myself, and below the age of 12, like myself. So um, that there was a lot of talky-talky and that the chapters were way too long because it was really hard for kids. And a lot of people had, had mentioned that in the reviews that like the chapters were just too much to tear off at once. So you couldn't sit down with one chapter at a time because that's how a lot of kids work, you know? I agree with that. I was always reading at night before bed and I would look ahead and be like, oh my gosh, I've got like 20 pages in this chapter. So, and and she did have breaks in the chapters themselves, but I, I don't know why they just didn't make those chapter breaks. It would have been a lot easier and less intimidating. I agree with that too. It could have been condensed. A lot of it could have been condensed. But then again, I am not a fan of literary fiction because of that very reason. And you are. So it really is a taste matter. You know what I mean? Like you really love the rich language and and I really love like, get me to the point. I want the action. I want to know what's happening. I want it concrete, solid facts. Let's keep moving. And you really want to, it's sort of that like British method of writing, you know, where it's kind of that ancient sort of 
let's just revel in it while we sip our tea and talk about all the things. And I'm like, I'm going to have coffee in a to-go mug because <laughs> I just literally have attention deficit that's so bad I can't do this, you know? <laughs> like, so it is, you know, it is what it is. And that's perfectly fine. I, from a teacher perspective, I don't know if I would be able to get my kids into it, uh, my students, you know what I mean? I don't know if it would be too much for them. But again, like you come back to the Harry Potter. I also didn't like Harry Potter. <gasps> What? for me. So I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't How like it. How are we it. friends? Wait, you know, what? Right? We should break up now. We should probably break you up. You never told me that. <laughs> I, could, I, I read the first few and I read the first few with my uh, oldest son and he got kind of into them, but not really into them. You know, like we're total Star Wars nerds. Right. We tend to go more sci-fi than fantasy. You like sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I like both. So I, I like shooting things and things like that. You know, I like things to blow up. Like we were just watching the new episode of The Mandalorian and I was like, oh, yeah, stab her, girl, stab her. I'm like, this is it. I have a, a tormented mind, apparently. OK, well, one of the other things I really liked about this book, too, which I can't say because it'll it's a plot twist and it'll give away too much. But I was wondering if you did you see that? twist coming? I did not. That's why I really liked it. Yeah. Okay. So that was good too. I don't know. I definitely think if you're fans of Harry Potter, then you would enjoy this book because it has a beautiful world. This inn is traditionally a smuggler's inn. There's all that kind of sort of um, fun rebel kind of thing about it. But see, even that, like the the smuggler thing, like I felt like, okay, I, I really need a little more of that. I need to know more, like, give me some more historical, you you talk about one of the biggest smugglers of all times and how this was his house, but I'm literally, it took me three quarters of the book to figure out what he smuggled because in my mind, he was a cokehead and I'm like, is this appropriate? He can't be a coke smuggler, what? he can't be drugs, right? What? Because when you say smuggler to my 1980s childhood, I'm like, it's Don Johnson chasing some smuggler who's smuggling coke over the border because he's on the border and all I could think of was like, it's got to be drugs. So I, I needed a little clarification early on. I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not so ridiculous that I thought this woman's writing a children's book about coke smugglers, but clarify for me. What is a smuggler? What is the smuggle smuggler? What is a smuggler smuggle? Well, and they did talk about the different things that they smuggled. The one guy smuggled plants. It took a long time to find out. Yeah, but we didn't know it was weed. Was it weed? It could have been weed. It's plants. He says plants could have oh been weed. Oh my gosh. That is too funny. Okay, that's a prime example of sometimes you get out of a story what you bring to it because I, my <laughs> mind. Are you calling me a cokehead? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's where your brain went. So that's well, on you. Hello, 12 year olds. 12 year olds. I'm I telling don't, you. I'm hoping their brain's not going first to cocaine smuggling. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of smuggling that still happens. I see it on <laughs> CNN. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I guess because of the lighthearted nature of the story, I assume smuggling meant like goods that they couldn't get, like truffles or something like that. Truffles. Oh, you went to tr I thought guns. I was sure it was guns, too. <laughs> like gun smuggler. That made sense. You know what else is hard? It's it's not set in a time. Did you think? Right. No, it's got a very fairy tale quality about it. It is modern. Any electronics or anything like that. They're not like Google anything on their on their cell phones they're not like that's true so it does make it a hard sort of a hard time to sort of place so it could have been drugs you just you never know okay anyway maybe we should move on now you're starting to ruin it for me <laughs> because because now you're like oh my god maybe it was cocaine maybe they were smuggling cocaine <laughs> 
Well, they were pirates, so I guess I just figured they were smuggling, like, treasure of some kind. All right. Anyway, it's a smuggler's house. And I didn't like it, but Heather loved it. So there you go. It's a 50-50 shot. Wow. 50-50. Whether we recommend it or not. Dang, I, I thought we were going to have a new author that we were going to stock on this one. I'm I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised. It was a hard one for me. I don't know. I just did not. And I picked it. P.S. I was the one who found it. So I take full responsibility for that. I brought you joy and I brought myself pain. You so did bring me joy. Thank you. So I highly recommend Green Glass House. And by the way, this is won some awards. So I'm not alone. Oh, it's won a ton. Yeah, it's won. A t- it's a New York Times bestseller. It won the um, Edgar Award for Best Juvenile Mystery. Yeah, it's no, it's no schlock. I'm just saying I'm not smart enough to understand it. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> a little trailer park for that book, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have another one for us, right? Let's let's find one that you oh do Oh, my like. God. Okay. So this one is so me, first of all. Okay. And I have to say, for all of those of you out there who are on the Instagram, you should be following us, first of all. If you're on the Instagram, you should be following us at Two Lit Mamas podcast. But this is a prime example of why books of Instagram hashtag exists, right? Because I was like, I found a couple books. I found the two that you had. I found another, the Top Elf, which I also have. But I was like, this is not what I'm looking for. Not what I'm looking for. And I saw a picture of this book. And the cover of this book is this like little creepy kid with all these skulls and monsters and like really creepy beings. And I'm like, now this might be the book that I'm looking for. And it's called Tis the Season to be Terrified, the Christmas Dinner of Souls. And I'm like, whoa. And it was literally just a picture of someone had taken a picture of the cover and a little Christmas cheer. And I was like. I googled it immediately, bought it immediately. I had to buy the ebook because it's a British t- release, so it would have. It takes a really long time to get here. So if you do want the book, you you can't even get it like from Amazon. But just be aware that it will take a while to get here because um, it is an um, it is you know coming from England. Can you say the name of it again? Just I a Christmas to... Dinner of Souls. Whoa. Whoa, that sounds awesome. I love dark Christmas stories. It is so dark. It is so scary. You know, like I read a review and it said this is literally like it has echoes of Roald Dahl. And it's exactly what it is. A little bit darker, like Roald Dahl for the 20th century or for the 21st century, you know? So this came out in 2017. And um, Ross Montgomery, who wrote the book, is a former teacher. You know, we always have to love those. Being former teacher myself, I'm like, good for you, man. I'm glad it worked out. So it's Christmas Eve at Souls College. And this poor young boy, Lewis, is 11. And Lewis broke the window. And in order to kind of like pay his penance back, he has to help serve Christmas dinner. Christmas Eve dinner, excuse me. And his mother said, you know, this is what you're going to do because you did this. The The headmaster said, you need to come and help serve this special dinner. So he kind of figures it's like, you know, homeless people or whatever. But then he gets there and the cook's face looks like it's made out of spam. Like there's something desperately wrong with this person. It looks like it's luncheon meat or pre-chewed meat or something. It's really disgusting. Gross. And then um, the guests arrive and the guests sort of like zoom in down, like they burst through the wall and they come down the chimney and they come in in flames and they're all beasts. They're all like these horrible monsters. So the cook has to make these disgusting dishes like, you know, like fish butts and stings, things like this, so that they can have this this dinner for these monsters and they and and lewis is going to serve each course the thing is the whole thing that they're competing for these monsters all have to tell stories and whoever has the scariest story so it's a basically once you get into it is a series of short stories which are so good 
So good. Short stories to tell on the holidays. That's perfect. Yeah, they're like great, but they're like dark, short horror stories, you know? I mean, like kid horror, not like, you know, Freddy Krueger. So they have to tell these stories and whoever has the scariest story gets to go into the catacombs below the school and they look for the Jabberjaws. Now, the rumor has it that the Jabberjaws died with this guy who wanted to kill Christmas. And they all want to kill Christmas, too. They all want to get rid of Christmas. And whoever has the Jabberjaws can get rid of Christmas. And they're literally a set of dentures. I mean, what's not to love? Whenever you put dentures, like, that you're taking from a dead man's mouth. It's a brilliant idea. So, Lewis, however, they've made it very clear that Lewis will not survive. He will not make it to the end of the holiday. But the chef with the spam face keeps telling him, just keep serving and we'll come out of this. Just keep serving. And he does. And there's a wonderful little awesome twist. And it was just the best. It was a book that I literally devoured. And I have my older son reading it. And he's like such a wuss that he's scared of everything. Like anything scares. He's like, mom, this book is awesome. Like, it really is. It's really because it's kind of like a goosebumpsy, you know, like a goosebumps kind of thing or like the witches or one of those. So he's got a lot of books out. I have to say Ross Montgomery dot co dot uk go check him out i will definitely read more of his because i love his sort of weirdo sort of weirdo sensibility he also says that like one of his biggest influences is terry pratchett so i mean hello i mean that's like hello i love him and then he's got a new one that just came out in 2020 and it is called the midnight guardians and it looked really great too oh i think i have that book Somewhere in my pile. I'm like looking at a pile on my desk. I think I have that book. Somewhere. It looks really great. We'll have to read that one. So I love him. I love him. I love him. This book was so great. It was such, it all takes place on Christmas Eve, but it's just so dark. That's what's so refreshing about it. There's no elves. There's no Santa. There's no reindeers. There's just monsters and murders and mayhem. And that is, these are a few of my favorite things. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. This one also was a quicker read. It was, I would say like reading level wise and uh, sort of from a Lexile level point of view I would say it's probably closer to not quite third fourth grade but definitely fifth sixth grade where I felt like the green glass house the language the sentence structure and everything it was definitely more upper middle grade yeah for sure I so agree. I think that's the difference between the two as well and this it moved really fast you would definitely read this and say wow that is something for a really like an active boy like it's a book that an active boy would love or a tom girl or something like that you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I think that that's sort of why I gravitate towards those that's sort of what I've always loved because that's what I've always been a 12 year old boy inside <laughs> perfect that's it was good. a really good that one. sounds yeah. interesting I love dark holiday stories so that's really great so the only thing associated with holiday was the meal right they're trying to kill holiday they're, the they're trying to kill okay. Christmas yeah get rid of it there should be no more and if you have the jabber jaws you can do that and the other one that I had real quick um I have not yet finished it but I'm halfway through it my little nugget and I are reading it's top elf by Caleb Zane Hewitt And it's a cute little book. It's basically Santa has decided that it's not fair that Santas are always from the same genetic line. Oh. So this Santa has decided that this again is also was out in uh, 2017 as well. And he's decided that instead you should have like a almost like a reality television show game show kind of a contest. And whoever wins the contest can be Santa. So that means that all of these elves that have lived at the North Pole and everything their whole life, they have an opportunity that they could actually be Santa. And the contest is run by these very horrible, mean, very sort of like military general kind of reindeers. (laughs) 
like Rudolph is such a jerk. Let me just say like Rudolph is really, he sucks, man. He's really hardcore and he's very mean. And that's the part that my son just thinks is hilarious. He's like, oh my God, like he's so mean. I'm like, right. So we've been reading it at bedtime. It's a great one. They have to do all these crazy things. The competitions are crazy. Oh, they have like Ollie and, and Celia are the, they're the best friends and they're the elves. Like they have to get all these, sort all these letters to Santa without being eaten by or burned or set on fire or eaten by these robots that look like children because in a good elf never gets caught by a child. And, you know, yes, they, so they have to do these kind of tasks, which are of course very you know, tumultuous and difficult and everything like that. So it's a good little read. And it's called Top Elf by Caleb Zane Hewitt. So it's like boot camp for elves. It's more like Wipeout. Like, remember that show Wipeout? It's like that. So they're like these ridiculous stunts that if you lose your hat, then you're out or, you know, like you're (laughs) out of here. So it's kind of like a game show and it's goofy and it's fun. It's fun. Like I'm reading it to my seven-year-old. It's a little thick. It's maybe fifth, sixth, seventh grader would be, you know, fifth and sixth grade is probably a great place for it or a really strong third or fourth grade reader. But it's a good one to read out loud. Yeah, it's fun. I feel like all these books that we're talking about today would be wonderful read out loud too for like bedtime stories at Christmas time, especially. All right. Should I start on mine? Yeah, go for it. So the two books that I'm talking about is A Boy Called Christmas and The Girl Who Saved Christmas. And these books are by Matt Haig. Oh, and by the way, they're illustrated by Chris Mould, who did the Pocket Pirates that we talked about oh, cool. two episodes ago. And the art is kind of very like almost Coraline looking like, and there are throughout the book. So they're kind of fun. These books are really quirky. Are they part of a three-part series or a two-part series? They're part of a four-book series. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's A Boy Called Christmas, The Girl Who Saved Christmas, Father Christmas and Me, and The Truth Pixie. And The Truth Pixie is in all the books. So I'm kind of glad she got her own storyline because she's pretty great. So um, she can't tell a lie. Mm. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so the main characters go to her a lot for when they need actual information. So it's kind of fun. So yeah, these are really quirky books. I would say uh, they have sort of a Charles Dickens kind of vibe about them. Ooh. They're kind of set during that time period. And when I say that, I mean both like the good warm, fuzzy Christmassy stuff and also like the Oliver Twist uh, more food please kind of stuff. <laughs> please, uh, can I have some more? So yeah, so it kind of embodies both of those. Mixed into that is some good old-fashioned Scandinavian folklore. Oh, right up your alley. Yes, set in Elfheim. But it also has a very modern, funny, quirky narrator voice. And in fact, this narrator is so fun at like speaking to writers. I think it would make a really good case study like if you're trying to understand narrators it's pretty fun and the author is uh he's british <laughs> matt Haig is um he's just a few years older than us and he's uh lives in england so he's like in his 20s yeah exactly awesome he's so cute it's so funny because I'm like, I really need to stop with these British books, but I swear I did not start out trying to find a British book. You just I know. To them. Well, and I just I googed it. You googed it. See, I've sucked you into my world. I know for Christmas books, and this is what I got. And I just these were the ones that stood out to me. So, and honestly, you know, you just searched. There's not a lot of books. There's not, and that's what the ones that you're talking about. I came up with those again and again and again, and I'm like, well, that's cool, but what else is there? And it's hard. Like again, I found a picture on Instagram. The book that really creepy you know how we love to judge a book by its cover well here we go you know I know these book covers are really great too for this one they are really nice very streamlined and beautiful 
Yeah. And the art, I just love the art that Chris Mould does. It's really fun. Very modern looking. And these books, both these books are really highly rated. So uh, the first one, The Boy Called Christmas came out in 2015. And here's a little quick summary of it. It's basically, if you've ever wondered what Santa Claus or Father Christmas, as he's called in this book, is uh, was like as a boy. That's what this tale is all about. Oh, so it talks about how he was a normal boy named Nicholas who grew up in Finland and his dad was a woodcutter and his mom was, uh, you know, his mom and they lived in a little tiny shack in the woods. And that was how his story started. In the beginning of the story, his mom is dead. She fell down a well. I don't always have to kill the mother. I know. Always. All right, Bambi, Nemo, everything. <laughs> so, and um, spoilers a little bit, but the dad does end up dying too. So he ends up all alone, but it's a happy story. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sounds great. I'm glad. Let me, let me order that one up. <laughs> well, like I'm saying, it's got that sort of Dickens kind of, you know, where it's dark, but yet it has, you know, happiness mixed in with it. Darkness doesn't last as Dr. Who would say. Yes. And that's basically, yeah, what this is about. And it's so cute. So he goes to Elfheim where he finds elves. And that's basically what the whole adventure in the first story is about. So his life in Elfheim then is sort of the opposite of what his life was like before. But it's just such a fun story. It's so cute. He has a little mouse for a friend and then he befriends a reindeer. And uh, he almost dies before he gets to Elfheim because, of course, it's winter and it's cold and it, he's in the up, way up north. And uh, the elves find him and save him. And so that's how Santa kind of got his magic. So if I have a believer, would it throw him off? No, because it's a story of how... How Santa Claus came to be. Okay. I liked it because I thought it was kind of cool how he started out as just a regular boy and then he ends up as Santa Claus because of the adventure he goes on. Okay. I just thought it was really fun. It's a quick read, short chapters, so perfect for reading, you know, bedtime story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very short chapters, which some of them are even only a couple of pages, which is kind of nice. And there's art mixed in between too. So there's great art through the whole thing. And I don't know. I just thought it was a really fun read. I love the quirky narrator voice. It was really fun. And there are dark things that happen. But of course, just like any middle grade book, it's handled lightly. And yeah. the dark humor is there to sort of glaze over anything really tragic. So it was pretty fun. And then in the second book, in The Girl Who Saved Christmas, is the story of Amelia. And she was the very first girl to write to Santa and believe in him and magic. And so that's pretty much what set him on his course of becoming. All you need is one person to believe in you. I like where this is going. That's exactly the story. I mean, that's basically what it is. And so we're picking up in this second story after the very first Christmas. So it's the second Christmas. And she was the one that inspired Santa to deliver toys to human kids. Because in the first book, he does a lot of wonderful things for elves, but he he hasn't quite figured out who he's going to be yet. And so in the second book, we find out that he had um, met Amelia and she somehow convinced him to deliver toys for the very first Christmas. And now we're at the second Christmas when something very tragic is happening to Amelia and she ends up in a workhouse a very nasty workhouse and Christmas doesn't even happen that year because she doesn't believe. Mm, I did that once in Turkey. I canceled Christmas because I was pissed off at my husband. But anyway, I feel you, Amelia. It happens. Yeah, she has a bad year. Amelia has a bad year. It happens. Year. I hear you, girl. <laughs> Christmas of 2008. 
didn't even happen. It might be a good story too for Christmas 2020. Um, I did read these books out of order. That was my next question. Do I need to read them in order? I read them out of order. I really enjoyed the second book. Then I went back and read the first book because I wanted to know like more about everything because I enjoyed it. And then I thought, oh, I should have read this one first because it does give you just those little details that show up in the second book that I would have had more understanding of. And plus, you know, why not read about the boy called Christmas first? Because it's great. I should read that one first. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, but the second one is longer and it is a little bit darker and has more of those sort of Oliver Twist kind of things to it. And in fact, Charles Dickens actually shows up as a character in the second book. So that shows the huge nod to that author in this in these books has definitely influenced them. I love that. See, I, I love when these books like nod to something like yes. it was so interesting because in Top Elf, they, he talks about the heat miser, which comes from, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but it which actually comes from some poem that this woman had written in Woman's Day or something in the 40s or something like that. And this woman went off, off on the on the uh, review of this on Goodreads about how how dare you use another person's work and reference another person's work. What? How dare you bring up the heat miser? You didn't create that character. Did you have permission? Did you? And I'm like, girl, she'd be dead. She's dead. She can't get permission. Like, I feel like it's a it's a nod to them. Yeah. If someone used a character I created, I would be very complimented by that. I don't know. Well, and also it's sort of a big trope in middle grade to reference books that middle graders are reading anyway in school. I mean, I've read so many middle grade books where they reference another book or um, poet or anything that you might be learning in school. That gets referenced a lot in middle grade books. Um, Because in middle school, that's the whole point is that you're supposed to teach across the curriculum. Any connections make the tie-ins. Yes, 100%. Yeah, Karen had her bee bonnet on, girl. She was like, Mm-mm, how dare you use the heat miser? And I'm like, I kind of thought that everybody could use it. It's like Rudolph, you know? It is what it is. Right. Well, that was awesome. That was fun. I'm going to order those. So we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with a little chat about the Young Hoosier Book Awards. All right, so we're going to talk about the Young Hoosier Book Awards instead of our pick six today. What do you tell us? You're the Hoosier. What do you? What can you tell us? I know. I just think this is such a cool program, so I wanted to give a little shout out to it. Indiana Library Federation puts out these Young Hoosier Book Awards. I need to stop you right there. What? For those people who are not in Indiana nor have ever lived there, it is important for you to understand that the term Hoosier is actually not derogatory, and that is what Indianans call themselves. That is what you call the people of Indiana. I did not know that before I lived there. I have used the word Hoosier here and people thought I was being rude and and mean to the people of Indiana. I feel like for those of you who do not live in Indiana, yes, it's okay to call an Indiana a Hoosier. Oh my gosh, that is so funny that you say that because growing up in Illinois, I did, we called them Hoosiers too and it was always a slam. Like outside of the state, it's considered a slam. Right, but in the state, it's like totally embraced. Like, we're Hoosiers. And I'm like, well, we're not, but all right. We're just half breeds that are here for a little while. 
Well, but don't ask anybody what Hoosier means or where it came from because nobody has any idea. So, and the best thing I ever saw was all the shirt. There was shirts that used to this guy in my neighborhood used to wear a shirt that said Hoosier Daddy. I thought it was the best thing ever. And Hoosier Mama Pies. Yeah, it's a Hoosier Daddy liquor store, right? Isn't that what it is? Is it? I don't yeah. know. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I was only there for a few years. <laughs> anyway, so I just I just wanted to clarify because a lot of people don't know what that means. Well, and it, it does seem like an insult. I'm sure. Yes, you're right. Okay, that's not good. So anyway, back to what are the Hoosier Young Book Awards? It's actually very prestigious. Yes. Kids uh, vote on their favorites. Know that. Yeah, it's supposed to encourage uh, self-reading, you know, self-selected reading among kids. And they focus mostly on elementary and middle and junior high, like so upper and lower middle grade and then elementary and picture books. So yeah, it's voted on by kids. So it's so cool. Students in school vote on them. This year's uh, 2020-2021 Hoosier Book Awards were recently announced. The nominees. The nominees, yes. And the winners of the 2019-2020 winners, I can't even say it. I have so much (laughs) hatred for that year, 2020. The winners were The Legend of Rock, Paper, Scissors by Drew Daywalt. And that was a picture book. P.S., which is hilarious. I love that book. Um, Restart by Gordon Corman was the lower middle grade, the intermediate book, and Refugee by Alan Gratz. And if you haven't seen Refugee, you're sleeping because everyone in the world has read that book. Yeah. Um, And that was a middle grade winner for the last go around. This go around is what they just released the nominations for, right? Mm-hmm. I think the cool thing about this too is that they do try to highlight Indian authors, but it's not just Indian authors. So anybody could win this award. I think most states probably have some similar awards like this. I don't know why. I just I have always heard about the Young Hoosier Award. Um, my favorite bookstore, Kids Inc., they promote it pretty heavily every year and they um, sell a lot of those books to schools and stuff for kids. So Well, and when you go to the library, they always have those like highlighted as the Young Hoosier Award winner or nominees and stuff as well. Yes. A few of our books have been in there though. That's why I was kind of proud of us for choosing some good ones to talk about this year because they made it into the nominations for the Young Hoosier Book Awards. Well, first of all, I think we need to, in the picture book category, I think that we both have a a love affair admiration for Ari Chung and his book Mixed, which is a really great, great, great story about kind of growing up mixed or being mixed or what it means to be mixed. His is one of the top ones. And I think that says a lot because that's it's a great book and it's one of the picture book um, finalists. So, yeah, that's very exciting. I'm super happy for him. He's such a sweet man. I know. So and then they divide them into the early middle grade, which um, one of the ones that I'm really excited to read is A Boy Called Bat. And that was coming down the pike. That was one of the nominees. The Life of Og the Frog. Yeah, that looks cute. Uh, Well, and Granted is in there who John David Anderson is an Indiana author. And we talked about that book about the fairy. Is it in the lower or the upper? Oh, it's in the lower. Which I'm kind of surprised because it is a little bit longer book, but it is pretty lighthearted too. So I don't know what this one is, but Raw the Cat, the Mighty Cat Detective, um, I'm all over it. That I'm looks really it. great. I want it, it and I want it now. I want to read about Raw the Mighty Cat Detective. I mean, anything Egyptian to me is amazing. So um, cat so Detective. Fun. That had me. Cat Detective. What more do you want out of a book? Cats that are detectives? Hello. Um, yeah, my kid's going to have to suffer through that one. I think the Survivor Diaries also looks interesting. We might have to read that one. And uh, Saving Winslow by Sharon Creech. You know, you can't ever go wrong with Sharon Creech. She'll be crying and weeping and everything else. In the middle grade category, though, Jill Parker Rhodes, who um, has a lot of great ones out. Her book, Ghost Boys. She did the Towers. Towers. Falling. Uh, Yeah, it's 
It's a great book. I read that with one of my students last fall. It's a really great book. You read Ghost Boys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading that. It's a good one. And then our, our favorite, my favorite book, probably my one of my favorite books of the year is Marcus Vega does not, doesn't speak Spanish, which is one of our earlier episodes as well. It's a great book. It is such a great book. I'm trying to force my son into reading that, but he's not quite there yet. But it's such a great book about a kid that is from two different cultures and can't quite find his way. Yes. And two different languages, two different, you know, sort of feeling his way out. Am I, am I this or am I that? And my son is definitely in that spot right now. Like, am I Turkish? Am I American? How much Turkish can I be? The other day, it was so funny. He's been working really hard on his Turkish. He did speak Turkish first. Then he kind of like all flushed away when he got to America. His grandmother called the other day on the FaceTime and he had like two sentences. And then he was like... Uh, 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 like he could not remember any Turkish. And I was like, honey, you know, your grandmother speaks like she is on crack. She's so fast. <laughs> like It's impossible. Like I can't even, I have a hard time understanding her. She's so fast. When he started speaking Turkish back to her, she just like was, he was so excited. It was even worse. And then his aunt chimed in and they were both on the FaceTime and he was like, ah, gule, gule. like he's like, bye, I gotta go. It was great. And it reminded me so much of that book. Like here's this poor kid. It was like, everyone looks at him and he looks like, one of them and right. they all started speaking Spanish to him and he's like yeah no I got like three words okay so uh, that's a great book New Kid is also a really great book that's on there Nowhere Boy I've read wonderful things about that one as same with The Night Diary which is also on there I've read really great things about that I think what's so interesting is there are so many great multicultural reads on there it's so epic all the color on those front pages I'm so excited which you know what I think I'm afraid to say that if we looked back five even five or ten years ago we did not see anything like this this is what the industry's been saying they're basically were you know two or three years behind the demand for more multicultural books and so here they are I'm so glad that they're starting to show up it really is great to see so if you get a chance you can go to their website we'll uh, we can link it as well in the show notes. Um, one of the cool things is Stacy McNulty's The Miscalculation of Lightning Girl is coming down. I was the just going to ask you about that. I was going to call that one out too. That looks. I'm so, good. so excited to read that, and I think it's going to be our next episode, right? When we come back out of the first of the year, we're going to do it for STEM. Sure, we are like STEM and hard in our house, so I'm excited to read that one. Yeah, anything STEM related is going to be fun. Um, if you're out there looking for book recommendations, these are great places to look, especially if you're looking for books, you know, like over the holidays or whatever to read with your kids. These are great places to get ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, But like Heather pointed out, books that are chosen by the kids are often a lot better than books that are chosen by the librarians or whatever, because you get a lot more you can just tell by looking at this, there's a bunch of really great diverse vo- voices in this. Mm-hmm. They're like authentic diverse voices. Well, and I'm sure that most states probably have something similar. So you can also just Google if your state has like book awards that are voted on by kids and see what happens. See if you can find something. There's so many great middle grade books out though. So many I great feel ones. overwhelmed by how many great books are out there when we're trying to put together our list for next year. I mean, it's going to be, there's so much. There is so much, but you know what? We're here and we will get you through them. 
Yes, we, we will, will read them and we will drink our wine and we will tell you all of our judgments about them, good and bad. Yes, we will. Like I said, this is going to be our last episode for this year. We're going to take a little bit of a break and then come back strong in January. So before we go, I just wanted to thank my little co-host for doing this with me. It's made me so happy during yeah, quarantine so nice. to do this. It's been so good to read and to like reconnect and just talk about books. It is so hard in this world to find somebody that you can have like, like we literally have a book marriage. It's really we hard. <laughs> we have a book marriage. We can like, even if we don't always like the exact same books, we definitely have a book marriage. And I read some weird crap <laughs> and it's so, <laughs> and I like some really weird crap. Can I just tell you that right now I'm reading, I, I have to give a shout out to this woman because the book that I reading right now is so ridiculous. I love it. I love it. The more ridiculous, the better. Uh, it's called Dr. Prepper by, um, Margaret Latchley. I'm going to say her name wrong. Anyway. Did you say Dr. Prepper? Dr. Prepper. Oh and she's gosh. literally going in to look for aliens with a bunch of doomsday preppers. And she's <laughs> um, just shaved her head because she got a bullet to the head. And I mean, like, I love this stuff. And I know that like, I could, I know that I could be like, Hey, I want you to read this book. It seems ridiculous, but you'll enjoy it. And you totally would because that's what a book marriage does. I do love ridiculous books. That's a book marriage. (laughs) I, on the other hand, just read the remains of the day. (laughs) Shoot me. Shoot me. Okay. You know what? Our marriage might not be give and take a whole lot. (laughs) Maybe we don't live in an equal marriage. (laughs) I'm totally the beer and football part of this marriage. (laughs) I think it's great. It's been so much fun. I thank you all been. for listening and your support yes. because yes. the other day, like every so often they'll send us this thing and like, you have 250 downloads. And I'm like, Hubble, what? <laughs> <laughs> but my mom and then Heather. Wow. I do that too. I edit up everybody I know who listens. I'm like, maybe somebody else is listening out there who doesn't even know that? us. <laughs> it's not our mom's. Amazing. <laughs> oh, I should also say thanks to my husband for listening. He's been such a big supporter too. So I want to say thanks to my husband for not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say whatever you want about him. Because he would get like one part of the sentence and then the rest of it would get mistranslated in his head. And he'd be like, Well, you say that. That's not what I said. Oh, really? <laughs> my kids have now figured that my game and they're like <laughs> How they play games on him like that. Too. Oh, like, no. Baba, that's not at all what I said. And there he's like, Oh no. No, you just mistranslated it. And then they'll like rock off in the other room. Poor man. Poor guy. He earns it. It's all good. <laughs> it's like we were the other day, the kids were complaining about something. And I just went off on Thanksgiving. I'm like, you want to hear about the Christmas of 2008? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it was bad, kids. It was so bad. And we went on this whole thing about how that was the one where I ended up in jail because I asked him to take the Christmas day off. But then he decided that that would be the day that we go re- redo my visa. But then my visa was wrong. And the only thing way that you could fix it was to go to the jail. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting there with like a like a seven month old in a jail cell where the guy's like, go oh, just wait in here. I mean, I wasn't literally in jail, but I was sitting in jail waiting for the man to fix my visa. All of this shit. That's the Christmas that got canceled. It was just like one thing after another. And our kids eyeballs popped out of their heads and they were like, wow. And I, I really was like, this is the literal epitome. Like this is the story of like, I walked uphill both ways to school, both ways, but like on crack because I was in a Turkish jail. Not many people can say that with and have survived. <laughs> My husband's like, oh, I made many mistakes that day. Many mistakes, boys. Never make these mistakes. (laughs) It was the best. Yeah, our kids are doomed. That's so good.
All right. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and relax and stay home and wear your mask and do not gather in large groups of more than 10. Even those people that live in states that, you know, apparently you don't have the same rules that the rest of us have. Yes. Please be safe and healthy so we can get to 2021 with everyone still listening. we can get 251 downloads that are not our moms. Oh my God. Thank you for listening to Two Let Mamas. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at www.twolitmamas.com, Two Let Mamas, where you can sign up to follow our blog. And we're on Facebook and we're on the Insta. And I have to say that we're far more active on Instagram. And by we, I mean me um, <laughs> on the Instagram than we are on the Facebook. But that's where you can find us. And on the Instagram, it's um, Two Let Mamas Podcast and the same on Facebook. Facebook. Um, and if you want to join us twice a month for kidlet discussions like we've been having this year, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And just a quick note, we're going to, like Heather said, we're taking a little time off for the holidays because we have to get rid of 2020. But you know, stay tuned because in January, we're back full of judgments and says. Have a great holiday. Happy holidays. Bye.